Ride Season 4 of the Telly Award winning podcast coming to you live from Kamikaze in Los. Oh, yeah, yeah, they changed, right? Yep, yep, right. New, new name. Yeah, yeah, let me take that name. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tell me alive. Yeah. Uh, season four of the Telly Award winning podcast coming to you live from the Stan Lee Comic Con. No, 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 that's not it. Not Stan Lee's. No. What did they. So, since when? I don't know, a couple of years. What, a couple of years, seriously. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very imaginative name. Wow. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay, season uh, season four of the Telling Award winning podcast coming to you live from the LA Comic Con. Yeah, no? Yeah, that's yeah, it. No, that's okay. it. Yeah, I like Comic Con's better, but, um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I am Riley Grant, uh, Rainbow Awarding creator of uh, Flying Comics, like Aberrant, uh, Banjax, and Fa Sheng Origins. Uh, the other voice in the dark, the man sitting to my immediate right here is. Dave Avaloni, comic book writer, TV writer, film guy, uh, forgot to bring coffee or a cocktail. Nice, yeah, no spit take today. Uh, if you missed any of our previous conversations, uh, episodes featuring comic luminaries like David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Roddy Barnes, and many, many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated, uh, celebrated, excuse me, via YouTube, Spotify, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So double on back and check it all out. Um, but a great show for you today, great panel here at LA Comic Con, right? Um, yes. Why don't you uh, take the reins here and introduce sure. our uh, esteemed colleagues? Well, we, we always like to let people introduce themselves. Let's start at the end with Barbara. I'm here. I'm Barbara Dillon, co-founder and editor-in-chief of Fanbase Press. We're an Eisner Award-nominated publisher and geek culture website. Matthew. Uh, Matthew Medney, uh, CEO and publisher of Heavy Metal Magazine. Hi, I'm Matt Hawkins. I'm the president and CEO of Top Cow Productions, and I've been editing comics for 30 years and writing for about 25. Very nice. Thank you. Very nice. Do uh, you want to start us off, or do you want to? Uh, sure. So, I mean, the, the, the name of the panel is, is pretty self-evident. Um, I think that uh, it's uh, for people that don't work in this industry or people who want to work in this industry, maybe the most impenetrable thing, the, the way to get in the front door that you don't know how to get in the front door is to come to be in contact with an editor, the people who can actually hire you. And uh, and then what, what the hell do they want from you? Uh, what do they want to hear? What do they want to know? What? Uh, so maybe we should just start out with the answer to that question. What, what do you want from a freelance writer or artist that's coming to you and looking for employment? I'll start with Barbara. So I, I think we're a bit of a unique use case because we are a, a boutique publisher. Um, our number of titles per year is smaller than, than my colleagues here on the panel. Um, but for us, uh, the biggest thing for me is I want to know that the folks coming to us have done their homework. I want them to know what our company is about, that they've looked us up, that they've looked up our prior titles, uh, perhaps read them as well. Um, but ultimately, I want to know that if they're bringing me a new property or a new concept, that it matches or is aligned with what we have previously done. Uh, certainly not to say that we can't try new things and that we can't do uh, new avenues, new genres. However, um, anytime that you're approaching a publisher, you want to be approaching a, a publisher where your title will be complementary to their catalog and also that they will have the skill set to market, to sell, to distribute that book as well. Yeah, I think uh, 
think I agree with all of that completely. As well, I would add on for us, it's um, to be really succinct with the pitch. Um, you know, we publish 12 magazines a year, roughly 12 to 14 stories in every magazine. So we're going through thousands of pitches to get to 144 stories. So we really look to make sure that the creator has a really good grasp of what they're trying to tell. Because if we can understand their story very quickly, then they can expand on it uh, once we've greenlit it. Uh, and then on top of that, the ability to know what stories their stories built upon, uh, perspective and understanding of what they're pulling from and, and articulating that so that we can understand the comparisons of what they're trying to uh, articulate is really important. Um, I'm gonna echo all that and I'll repeat it. And the one thing I will say is I'm, I'm always looking for mitigation of risk. So if you have a following of some kind or you can prove that you have a Kickstarter following or something that can show me that you have the ability for us to actually sell some books because uh, I've been at Image for 30 years and I've seen hundreds of Image properties that were by really good writers and creators that uh, didn't sell for shit just because they were they just have never found their audience. So a, a, a good project by itself to be launched in the marketplace doesn't guarantee any success at all or they'll ever even be finished. So um, I, I always tend to look for people with followings, you know, for mitigation of risk. And I just out of curiosity, are, are you all four writers or any of you artists? Because uh, are you an artist? Because none of you are artists, I, I, I would focus on the writing aspect of it. Are you an artist? You're, okay, artists, writers, artists? Writers. Okay, so we'll do both, okay. Cool. Yeah, it's funny, you jumped ahead. I was actually gonna ask, like as the 21st century question, how much do you look at Twitter followers, Instagram followers, all of that, and how much are you expecting that to help sell a book? Well, I can, I, I'll go ahead. Yeah, no, you can. I'll start. I, I say uh, it, it, is, it is pivotal. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I, for me, it, it's absolutely important. And the other thing I look at, I look immediately at what Twitter says. I mean, if, if you're an a-hole on there and you're, you're, you're going crazy on a lot of people, then I have no interest in working with you, even if I think you're awesome. So um, don't be an asshole. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's good advice, generally. Um, it's really easy to be one on Twitter, so. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, I, you know, I always say that as an overall thing, in every industry, the first, when I was producing movies, if someone pitched me an actor, literally the first question, are they an asshole? Are they an asshole? And people, because on top of everything else, you know, there's this complaint that people outside the professional arts have about the professional arts. It's all people working with their friends. It's like. Yeah, you would work with your friends too, given the chance to work with your friends. It's nice to work with them. We like our friends, if they are talented and if they can bring the goods. And part of that is like in making a movie, it's like, I'm gonna eat breakfast with this guy for 60 days. Is that gonna be a real unpleasant experience? And, and is I that gonna be pleasant? I would say it's also it's really easy to uh, be kumbaya when everything's going right. Uh, you wanna make sure they're not an asshole so that when things yeah. inevitably go wrong, uh, you're not dealing with a nightmare situation. That's true. And it, I mean, that works both ways also, you know, I mean, I was, um, I mean, Avalonia and I were, uh, what, 40 minutes ago having a conversation about, I, I was going to hire uh, an, uh, a you know, freelance editor for, for one of my creator-owned titles, and... Um, you were giving an echo. Well, you know, I, I mean, I asked Avalonia, like, hey, who can I call that's worked with this person? He gave me three names, and, I, you, know, I, 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 you know, I had two of those phone numbers, he gave, yeah. he gave me the other one, and I'm going to contact those people and be like, hey, how, how was it? Yeah, you know, this, um, this person is an amazing editor. They're very good at their job, but 
does that mean this is going to be a smooth experience? Right. right. It, it, yeah, and it works that way, and it works that way for publishers also. It's like you know, hey, uh, you know, how was your experience at, at heavy metal? Awesome, excellent. I know I'm a good answer. I know that when I enter, uh, you know, this two-year relationship uh, right. uh, uh, that that we might have, that I'm I'm going to be protected and taken care of, and and and. And uh, yeah, that works both ways. Um, coincidentally, if you go to the Writer's Block website, uh, you can find our Don't Be an Asshole t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> really? We, really? Yeah, we really, we should though. Oh, that'll be our next piece of swag. It, 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 it is amazing, I mean, that, 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 is, that is the piece of advice. Uh, after, after, what have we done, 80 episodes, something like that at, at this point? And, and the, the number of times, um, uh, we, when we ask a, a professional, an editor, uh, a, a publisher, uh, uh, whatever, uh, what is your one piece of advice? Don't be an asshole. Uh, it comes out of their mouth probably 75% of the time. It's, well, it's so important. Yeah, it's so it, key. It, it's honestly, it's because people are assholes. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, I can't tell you how often I've worked with people that just are insane. And, and uh, you know, I'm very clear up front about expectations, what we're paying, et cetera, when you get paid, all these sort of things. We don't have a problem with that kind of stuff. but. Uh, it's amazing to me when people like, you know, we have a thing like, just give you an example, like uh, if you turn in your vouchers for work on the first, you get paid on the 15th. You turn them in on the 15th, you get paid on the first. That's how we've always done it, right? And uh, I, I tell people all the time, I said, I'm the one that does this. Okay, I do 17 other things too. So if you send me your voucher on the 16th, who's getting paid on the following 15th, fuck you. Because I don't have time to go through it and deal with you being late. And I've told everyone that, and people still all the time do that. You know, I sent this voucher and why are you paid? I'm like, and I look, I'm like, you send it on the 18th. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's, just, it's not because I'm trying to be a dick, it's because I'm busy. And when I go do payroll, I look down the list, and I, I, I sort it by date, and I look at it, and I find all the options, and I, I send it over to the accountant, you know? So, I don't know. But, I mean, and that's, that's also, by the way, that's the conversation that freelancers have about every company, is how fast they pay, are the editors good to work with? Like, that's the... But to, to build on, on what Matt's saying, like, it, also read your contracts, because, like, I have artists all the time that, scream that they didn't get paid and I look at the contract and it's net 30 on publication and that's sort of how heavy metal standard is and if, if you need something else we we work with you on that but when somebody then gets mad that it hasn't published yet I'm like well you signed this contract so you know don't be an asshole also means don't be upset that you didn't necessarily read a contract or ask the right questions or listen when I explain it to you. Yeah, read, read read the contract, and if at all possible, have a responsible adult who knows what a contract looks like. Read a contract. Uh, I, I just one point I want to nope. go back to what now saying with uh, the following. Um, you know, for us, if if we really like uh, what you're creating, but you don't necessarily have a following, we'd probably try to do a multi book deal to try to help you build that following. And we would only do those with people that we really don't think are assholes. Right, uh, just to kind of keep that that theme going is uh, if if you are trying to break through, expect to stay with one publisher if they give you a shot to you know build up that audience and try to create that name through through those um, activations and the, those properties that you that you turn out. And you know, regardless of the size of any social media following or whatever that you have, one thing that I've noticed is a lot of people, even with enormous followings on social media, do not promote particularly work for hire. And like, uh, one of the, I would do a lot of comics for Dynamite, and one of the reasons they love me is I actually tell my followers when I have a new book out. Like, it's a crazy thing. I, I tell them when there's a Kickstarter. I tell them when something is happening. I tell them when an interview goes live on a website. Like, it's a, it is a conduit. And there are people who 
feel uncomfortable with self-promotion. I've heard writers and artists say to me, like, oh, I only want to tweet about this stuff once a week. And I'm like, the people who love you and love your work, they actually want to hear from you more than once a week about what you're doing. I swear to God, they will, they will, maybe they don't want to, they don't want an email about it, but if they find you on social media, if you posted a, a panel of what you're drawing every day, no one would go, oh, enough with the beautiful art that you're making. I'm sick of it. It's like, no, they, they followed you. If you're a writer, they followed you so they, because you're going to say funny and interesting things. And if you're an artist, they followed you because you post cool shit for them to look at. And it's, it's amazing how many people, I mean, admittedly, it's an industry of introverts to a certain degree, uh, but it's amazing how many people are like, oh, I don't want to, I have a Kickstarter going, but I'm only going to post about it once a week. It's like, oh, brother, no, 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 no. Well, I think to build on that, you have to look at the process through sales. Yeah. Right? Like, if, if, if this is um, going to be a career and not a hobby, then the, the promotion of your work is equally as important as your work. Because, as, as you said, you know, there, there's hundreds, not thousands of books that are A++ that just never saw anyone because maybe week one sales were bad and it deterred the creator and he decided not to Excuse do anything. Me. I'm so sorry, Eric. Is there a doctor in the house? No. Staff member, medical training, nothing. We got medical emergency, nothing. No. Sorry. You're mad that a room with seven people and it didn't have a doctor? Right. That's a high that's a high degree of probability that he was hoping for. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see too many people in LA with cowboy hats on. Yeah, yeah. Not to not to profile, but yeah, that's yeah, a, that's yeah. A, that's, a, that's a, but yeah, the hostility of it was very strange. I thought you all planned that. That would have been no, I, yeah. that would have been A plus. For a minute, I did think that surely that's a man doing a bit, like yeah. especially with the cowboy hat. I was like, yeah. this is a bit. I was waiting for the fight to start or something. Yeah. yeah. I do want to underscore one other thing, uh, yeah. and I think both Matt and Matthew have touched on this, but just to underscore, I think that it's good to have a conversation with your publisher upfront about expectations. About you know, if if you are coming with a following, like David said, there is still the expectation that you have to do something with that following. Um, you know, and what the frequency is or what the expectations of that are. It certainly can be discussed, but um, I think that sometimes, especially folks that may be newer to the industry or still getting their foothold, may have their own expectations of what will be received from the publisher, which may not at all line up with, with what is actually going to be delivered. So have those conversations. If you're unsure, ask the questions, but but do that upfront when you're you're signing a contract as well. Yeah, there, there are definitely people who, you know, uh, their understanding of show business comes from the Muppet movie. Mm -hmm. And they think they got handed the rich and famous contract, and it's it's all good now. Where well, I I don't have to do anything, and even like to be a, like even the act of coming to a con as a professional, uh, you know, sometimes you get offered a free table. Sometimes with the, in the free table contract, it literally says, I, "We need three free tweets from you minimum about the convention and your appearance at it." I think this one said that. Yeah, yeah and when I and when I see that in a contract, I'm like. Three? Really? You, you, people, people only tweet three times about their appearance in public where they would like people to come by their booth and come to the panel, whatever. Like, I'm always kind of baffled that there are people who are like, oh, three, that's, oh, that's asking a lot. I, you want me to type three sentences on my phone and hit send? The audacity. And like, I, go sorry, ahead. just to add, it, it, like, you know, the, the, the devil's advocate to that is, 
you know, my, my fans aren't looking for self-promotion on every post, they're looking for content. Sure. And then I respond to that with, don't be lazy, make it content. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to post it like, see you tomorrow. You can, like, write a funny clip. Yeah. And then, they, yeah. you can learn, you can have more funny clips at my booth. Well, yeah. and, and, and that's the argument, right? I mean, if, if, if you are just blindly self-promoting, then people ignore and tune out on those posts. But if you can make it feel like something that is you and uniquely you and something that is personal. Because here's the thing, is like, if you're doing one of these books and it isn't, personal to you, if you didn't die on the page, if you didn't pour your soul into it, then you have no business taking it to one of these people anyway, right? So, so if you can, so if you've done that, and then, and, and then, and then you can't, I don't know, present that in a personal, meaningful way on social media, if you can't sell it that way, then again, you have no business coming to one of these people and asking them to, to publish your thing. So I think that's important. And um, I mean, I just want to underline, Barbara, I think that it, it it, it was such an important piece of comic business advice, but also life advice. I think in any transaction that you have in your life or in this business, um, expectations are, are, are so important. And if the two people, one on either side, could just come together, whether it is a marriage or a business transaction or anything, and just be like, hey, here are my expectations of you. And then they say, here are my expectations of you. And if those are clear and laid out, and then you can both subscribe to, I am willing and able to fulfill those expectations. Um, I don't know, I think like maybe then world peace. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I feel like, I mean, I, my wife and I have been together for 20 plus years now. Um, and I think that we are still together and going strong and thriving because every so often, Whenever it needs to happen, maybe it's daily, we sit down and say, here are my expectations of you. Here are expectations that are maybe not being met, right? And, uh, and, and, and if you can sit down and hear that person and then say, you know, I am willing and able to meet those expectations, then the ships run fine. And, 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 and the books sell and, and all of that stuff. I mean, I think that that's very important. Um, uh, if you guys have stuff to add to this, I don't want to move on, but, um, we're talking a little bit about, I don't know, what, you know, what you look for, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, what you're looking for specifically in a creator in a book. But um, I would like to hear a little bit about how the sausage gets made. Um, I mean, you guys obviously you have slates to fill. Um, you don't have a lot of spots on the bench, right? And you're you're looking at hundreds, thousands of uh, of, of pitches. Um, uh, uh, Matt, I, I follow you on social media, and I remember one time you making a post, you were considering hiring someone just to handle your email. I was, yeah. Because you have, you know, thousands of emails to go sure. through, and there's no way to, you know, I, I mean, obviously uh, an email from one of your kids, or, 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 or a business partner, or whatever, those get read, but how you then call through the other thousand uh, emails that you get to find the needle in a haystack, the diamond in the rough, the thing you're going to publish has to be an impossible task, and I'm sure you all deal with this to, to a certain degree. So, so how are, how are you calling through this stuff? How are you finding the titles that you publish? Um, and then maybe an interesting sort of twist on that is how has that changed uh, with the pandemic? I, I, I have this feeling that maybe you guys did it one way before the shit hit the fan, and certainly okay. now maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe, but maybe it um, it's exactly the same way. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean. We don't really, uh, I can't think of a single project that I've ever picked up 
from an email from someone I didn't know. And I've been doing this for 30 years. Um, yeah. I'm really thinking about that. I, I, I don't think I ever have. I think I've only ever hired two artists in my entire career that showed me a portfolio. Um, most of the people I've hired and worked with have a booth or a table downstairs, and I know them, and I've seen them at 10 or 12 shows over two or three years, and I've gotten to know them a little bit and realize they're a decent sort, and I'll go down and talk to them and uh, and, and see their work and, and try to work with them that way. Uh, talk is a little more unique, that we don't really hire uh, unknown people, you know? I mean, so that's why I do the Top Cow Talent Hunt. And uh, we just finished it November 30th, and there was 3,812 entries. Uh, 2,100 writer entries, the rest are the artist entries. I already went through all the artist entries, it took me two hours, okay? Uh, I'm only on 200 of the writer entries, because you have to read these fucking things, it's annoying. Um, and I have two guys that are reading them with me, and uh, we're calling them down to about 20, and then I'm gonna pick the winner out of that. But uh, that process, I have to tell you, there's a couple things that's really interesting I've learned, because I've probably read 25,000 pitches in the last 10 years for the talent hunt, we've done seven of them. And uh, the one thing that blows my mind all the time is that how many of them are the same pitch. And everyone seems to think that their thing is unique, but uh, you know, you saw this movie, you saw this music video, you read this book, you saw this TV show, you have an idea. So do 900 other people, you know? I mean, and like, uh, so what we do tend to do is the obvious stuff, we don't do it. So like on the Top Cow Talent Hub, I, I've already read like 30 of them that have the same story. 30, I mean, and I immediately throw them all in the trash because I was like, I can't use these. If I publish one of these, the other 29 people are gonna say, this, they ripped off my story. You know, so I'm looking for something different, something a little unique. I'm not looking for superheroes. I don't give two shits about your version of Batman. I wanna see something different and unique. Um, I'm really tired of the people who seem to think that they can do Superman better than Superman or Batman better than Batman. And uh, there are 27,000 knockouts of Batman already. We don't need yours. So, and I don't mean to be mean about it, I'm just, uh, these are things that I notice in doing this. Yeah. Um, the one thing I would say is, uh, and I tell this specifically for writers, find an established artist to do a single piece of art for you that you just plaster everywhere, on your website, on your social yeah. media. Because if I see you know, a Mark Sylvester piece on your social media, I'm gonna look at it, right? Uh, if I see some other guy I don't know, I, I may not even look at it, you know? So, uh, name recognition is key, so. I, 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 before you go on that, um, you said some interesting things there. I think that, um, you know, I mean, most of us that are sitting in this panel, most of us that are listening or, or watching at home, we're wondering, okay, well, you know, I mean, how, you know, how do we kick our way in, right? How, how do we break our way in? And, 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 but, 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 well, wait, you, no, you don't need to answer this because I think you've already answered it. I mean, I, I, well, I have one interesting thing I can say that I think will, okay. will shock, and I don't mean this to be a jerk, yeah, but yeah. The, the reality of these things is I am honestly looking for a reason to stop reading your thing. Yeah. I'm looking for a reason to not read it. And if you give me one, I'm gonna stop, okay? If I get to page eight and you have a series of misspelled words, I'm done. You know what I mean? If you say, uh, dear editor at Dark Horse, I'm done right there. Well, sure. That happens all the time. You know, really? and I understand it, but I'm just like, I'm just done right there. The thing yeah. is, I am looking for a reason to stop because I have thousands of these to go through, okay? Yeah. So if you want yours to be read and read all the way, Make it not suck and do it the right way. I, I, I was talking with Matt uh, Medley before we started about um, the, the thing I'm working on right now. I got hired to write a, a, a movie about um, the, the Hells Angels in the 60s. And so I'm talking with all these old players. And um, you know, the Hells Angels, as far as motorcycle clubs, they were creating the crop, right? There were a lot of people out there that wanted to be a Hells Angel. Everybody that had a, a motorcycle wanted to be a Hells Angel. Um, if you walked into the Ventura Clubhouse unannounced and said, hey, I want, you know, I want a prospect. Oh, no. Um, you, you, you would have got the shit beat out of you. Yeah, you would drag up. 
there are a lot of people who show up at your clubhouse mm -hmm. and walk in and, and, and demand to be a, a, a top cow, a, a motorcycle club member, or whatever. I mean, it, it, what I hear over and over again, and I, I think back what, what you just said, is that you're looking for, here's the thing, is if you want to be a Hells Angel, then, um, then a member of the club or someone close to the club has to walk you in yeah, and, awesome. and walk you up to the president, who in this case is, uh, is this gentleman here, and say, hey, this guy's worth taking a look at. Right. And, um, and then it's about, okay, well, do you, do you actually have what it takes? You need, um, you need that introduction. You need to, and and it's, I, I, I'm basically doing this to thank you for the Top Cow Talent Hunt because, because here's the thing, is the Top Cow Talent Hunt, is, it's very important because it's, it's how you guys find your talent, but it's how a lot of the industry finds its talent also. You know what I'm saying? Because like, it, it ends up being that introduction. It's, um, if, if, if I'm the guy that when, if, if, if I'm Joe Schmo and I, and I go to an editor at Dark Horse, I'm like, hey, uh, I'd like you to listen to my pitch. They're like, the first question is why? You know, nobody's introducing. If I walk up and I'm like, hey, I just won the Top Cow Talent Hunt, I would like you to hear my pitch. Absolutely, send it to me. Here's, here, here's my card, here's my email address. And so everyone needs that introduction. Everybody needs that little metal hanging off of them, whatever. And I think that uh, the Top Cow Talent Hunt gives uh, people that. I think it's so valuable, it's so interesting. So if you are out there, if you're in the room, if you're listening, if you're watching at home, uh, you do this once a year? Twice, every other year. Uh, every other year. We just year. finished over 30. Yeah, so if you're looking for your way in, you know, rather than throwing darts, rather than walking into the clubhouse and getting your ass kicked, do something like this, right? It's a, it's a wonderful way in. I, I actually, I broke as a screenwriter because I won the final draft big break competition. Cool. Oh, uh, nobody gave a shit about my stuff for two years. Uh, uh, I won that final draft award and I, I was signed at CAA uh, two weeks later and I was uh, writing for Penelope Cruz uh, two weeks after that. <laughs> and I haven't stopped for, I don't know, 16 or 17 years now. So, uh, so you need that. Look for those opportunities. And, and I think also, you know, because with Heavy Metal, we, we've been kind of predicated on, on breaking talent and discovering talent. It's a little opposite of how you guys only look for that, you know. For people that may or may not know, we you know published Stephen King before he was really Stephen King. Published Harlan Ellison and Mobius and Drew A and all the sci-fi greats. I mean, we discovered people. For anyone that knows the NFT community, we, we were publishing his art in 2016. Uh, so for us, the you know unsolicited pitches are really important because that's how we try to find who's next. Um, but. You know, something you said that I really resonate with is like a reason not to continue reading yeah. is a hundred percent. You know, I can't echo that enough. And you know, one something that I always look for is like mastery of words. You know, can you tell me your story in two hundred, one hundred, fifty, twenty-five, and one? Like, is there an inspiration word that then funnels up to the summary and then funnels down to that inspiration word? And if I see that mastery of being able to understand what you're trying to tell, that that goes really far away as well. Yeah. Two things I wanted to jump in with, and one of them is an overall theme that I brought up a million times in this podcast, is that comics is a community and it's a small one. And you, there's, you know, the talent hunt, there's, you know, screenplay competitions, there's a lot of ways, but also be in the community. Be a part of the community and going back to don't be an asshole, be a good part of the community. I have a book that I co-write with Kevin Eastman, the creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Former owner of heavy metal. And former owner of heavy metal. And how that happened is he sat down next to me in a bar at Emerald City Comic Con 
and we started talking about World War II comic books that we both enjoyed when we were kids. And that led to a friendship. And two year and a half later, he said, you know, there's this thing I think you'd be cool to write. And, you know, two things about that interaction, and again, I tell this story over and over again because I think it's a valuable thing. Networking is one of the most misunderstood phrases in the world. It is about making friends. It is not about looking for a job, and maybe someday your friend offers you a job, maybe they don't, and it doesn't matter. But when you have dollar signs in your eyes, I think one of the reasons Kevin Eastman did not run from the bar is the idea of me working with him was further from my head than the orbit of Pluto. <laughs> like, I didn't go, oh man, this is a comics legend, I should figure out a way to do a book with him, it'd be awesome. Like, I was like, yeah, never gonna work in Kevin Man, that's crazy. Well, it was probably closer to him than it was to you, which is what yeah. kept him, you know, um, disarmed. Yeah, yeah, so I, you know, if you come to people with dollar signs in your eyes, they will 100% see it. But I think coming to these things and being a part of the world of comics is the, it's a long haul and it's a way to be, but like, you go to the tables, you meet the people at the tables, you talk to the people at the tables. And I just wanted to say one thing about your version of Batman. Because this was a conversation I literally had yesterday. A friend of mine watched an old Zorro TV show and he's like, oh, I want to write Zorro, but I, can't, I don't know what the right situation. And I said, look, it is possible to do a new thing in that sphere, but it has to be a new thing. You get the Scarlet Pimpernel in the 19th century, then you get Zorro, who's kind of a ripoff of the Scarlet Pimpernel, but very different. Then you get the Shadow, who's very different from Zorro, but still the same thing. And then you get Batman, who's the Shadow, and Zorro, and the Scarlet Pimpernel. You can come up with a new thing, but it's gotta be a new thing. It can't be I read Dark Knight Returns and I can do something kind of like that. That's, everyone does that and that's the end. It's, no one's ever gonna buy that from you unless you're Frank Hong. Um, one other thought, because I realized I was being kind of negative. Uh, the truth is, I've worked with the same four or five artists for 25 years, and uh, I've raised their kids with them, I've we've created projects, we've made money off of TV shows, you know, and the, what I want, I want to find really good writers and artists that I can work with for decades, okay? They're impossibly hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. Barbara. I, I think that one other thing that I'll add, because I always have a soft spot for the folks who are really just starting out and really don't even know where to begin. Um, I think you're hearing really amazing and very factual, true advice from these creators, these, these publishers. Um, and it is all true. If you want to work at heavy metal, there are certain expectations. If you want to work at Top Cow, there are certain expectations. You are going to find that at every single publisher out there. However, I know that those can sometimes be high expectations if you're starting out. You don't have to work with these publishers. There are other things that you can do to get started and then have the goal of, I would eventually like to submit to Top Cow, Heavy Metal, Enter, Public right. name here. Um, so I don't want to dissuade you because sometimes it can be like, I don't know anyone right now. I don't have any creations to my name. That's okay. Um, these can be goals to have in mind or at least knowledge of, this is really what, if you want to work at this level, this is the expectation, this is the, the experience that you will have to build, the skills that you will have to develop. Um, but certainly that's, that's not the only way. And it is uniquely an art form that you can develop skills and work on with no help from anybody else. You can write comic scripts by yourself. You can do your own art if you have art. You can find an artist somewhere in your community to work on your indie comics with, and you keep working on them until they're actually good. 
And I want to, like, just as a, it's a great point Barbara made about there's heavy metal, there's top gun, there's, you know, there's these publishers, and there are people who have the goals of working for one specific publisher. Like, man, if all you want to do in the world is draw Batman, oof, you know, that, that job goes to four or five people a year, and good luck with that. But, like, Eastman's a great example. He loved Marvel Comics growing up, loved DC Comics growing up, wanted to draw for Marvel forever, loves Daredevil to the degree that the Ninja Turtles are a Daredevil tribute band, in a way. He drew Daredevil for the first time, I think, last year. Marvel asked him to do a cover. I mean, I think transparently, he's been a guy that has wanted to do a Daredevil comic for 45 years and created a billion dollar franchise of his own wanting to draw Daredevil and no one let him draw Daredevil. And then like last year, Marvel's like, hey, you wanna do a Daredevil cover? So it may take 40 years to draw Daredevil if that's the one thing you wanna do. But in the meantime, you can do your own perfectly valid work. I mean, you also have you know creators like Richard Corbin, who you know was one of the big creators for heavy metal throughout the years, but was only discovered by heavy metal because Marvel DC said that his art was too risque, too, too bold for uh, mainstream comics. And he just happened to be an artist at the time that heavy metal was emerging in, in the States and was able to have a platform for that style of art, even though that wasn't really what he was setting out to do. I think that's a great point is, you know, if you want to be an artist or a writer, the ebbs and flows of what you want to do versus the niche you might be able to find yeah. as a perspective that you need to keep, you know, humble about all the time. Yeah. And you know, and look, there's a great joy in playing with other people's action figures. You know, in, in working on licensed books. I've worked on a, a lot of licensed characters that I've loved working on. Uh, but you know, if no one let me write the shadow, I would have written something else. You know, it's not, it, it's good to sort of have an open mind and a, a long, one of the keys I think to longevity in a career in the professional arts is being open to like, not just being no, but I want to draw Batman. Like, <laughs> you know, if that's literally your only goal, there's a very narrow lane, and oh boy, are there a lot of roadblocks on that lane. Yeah. One, one, one last thought, because I know um, just the best pitch you can give me is an actual comic. So if you give me a script, I, it's a job. Yeah. I have to read your script, it's a job. I'm always going to look at that as it's annoying to me, and I don't really want to do it. But if you give me a comic, there's there's a one percent chance I'll really like it. And, and I want to say that like I have a great real world example of that. I write mostly for Dynamite Comics with my licensed stuff. Um, they ask me for creator own pitches for pitches all the time. The one pitch that they have decided to publish, I had an eight page finished comic of, and they know me. They know my work. They like me. The other four or five pitches I gave them with the eight-page comic are perfectly great pitches for excellent comic books, but somehow the one with the eight pages of stunning art was the one where they went, well, this looks pretty good. Uh, so that's it's a de-risk situation. Oh, absolutely. And I want to say as this, this is a sort of a, an aside, but I think it's a useful tool that's very much of the last five years. There are a lot of Kickstarter projects that are anthologies. If you have a pilot idea for a, if you can get yourself in an anthology, it gives you an excuse to have eight pages that are gonna be published, or 12 or 16, or whatever the anthology is working for, looking for. It's a great medium to make your pilot, and it's a, 
it's one thing to say to an artist, I want you to draw eight pages, I don't need to pay you, or I have $28 back, some ridiculous insulting number to pay you. That's a painful conversation. But to say, look, the money's gonna be terrible, but it's gonna be in this big fat book with 10 other writers and 10 other artists, and it's all actually looking pretty good, and it's this character that's interesting, or it's this overall premise that's interesting. I think anthologies on uh, crowdsourced media are actually a pretty great entrance route that literally didn't exist 10 years ago. Totally, and, and just to note on anthologies, if you have a full-scale uh, concept graphic novel story idea and you decide to just do an anthology of it, don't just truncate it, just find a different entry point within the same world. It, it's really lazy and it's really obvious uh, when I read it. If, if you've just taken a piece of a story, uh, figure out how to tell a complete story in eight pages, which is very difficult to do. Yeah, without what I had to do with mine, I had like a five issue series panned out, but none of them were stories that could be in eight pages. I was like, okay, what's a prologue I can write that actually exactly. is totally satisfying in and of itself, but at the beginning, middle, and end, no one's gonna go like, well, wait, what, what the hell is the rest of it? Um, so yeah, it's a, it's an, and I will say there's more, there's been an explosion lately, even with publishers of anthology comics, even at the big two, like you're getting the, yeah, they finally called up, they, yeah, they find, they find, no, they really did. Like was it, um, Electra? Yeah. Uh, they were doing like black and white comics and it was like four, eight page stories in an issue or something like that. Uh, so, and it's a really interesting exercise in writing comics to write something in eight pages that's fulfilling and interesting. And it's a good way to start out where you're not taking this giant bite. I think a lot of people, especially if you're a fan and you're, you know, and you've been in your head about being a fan. I, when I was 15, I had a 500 page galaxy spanning epic that I wanted to do. If I had pitched that to anyone, they would laugh me out of my office, their office. Even as a, even as a pro, they would say, "Dude, there's no way we know we're gonna publish 35 issues of this thing to get to that ending that you booked." And I'm like, yeah. "Come in with five issues." Like, publishers really like four to five issues because that's a trade. If the whole thing falls apart, we can, usually the sales of issue one will support two, three, and four when the inevitable drop-off comes out at the end they get a trade. And if it's a huge success, then your galaxy-spanning epic is off and going. But look, you know, Star Wars is a self-contained movie that was intended to be a self-contained movie, and he was ready when it needed to be more. But if he had started with The Phantom Menace, you would have forgotten who George Lucas is already if that was the movie made in 1977. You know? I, I, I guess that's a good, um, you know, a good final topic here is, uh, you know, format. I mean, we've, we've been okay, uh, uh, you know, you've even asked us to submit something. You said, hey, you ever got anything? Why don't you show it to me? Um, how should we be thinking? I mean, this, this you know, uh, let's keep a short arc, four issues, five issues, whatever. Um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the, the, the sandbox we should be playing and what we should be presenting to you. Um, uh, you know, would you rather see art? Um, uh, I, I assume you don't want a 20-page outline, you know what I'm saying? Let, let, let's, let's talk about what is the ideal proposal to you once things have been okay, once we've been okay and cleared? 
I mean, I think Matt Murphy has already mentioned this, but uh, and to David's point, uh, definitely if you have a, a 20 book series, please don't pitch that. Um, please consolidate it down to uh, one solid book that could expand upon that. Um, for me and Matthew, I think you actually said this earlier, I think in terms of like, how would you describe this in one word? What is a hook that is, you know, a phrase that you can describe the entire story concept? Um, fully, I would like to see, because I do want to see beginning, middle, and end. I want to know where you're going and that you already have everything thought out. So at, la at longest, I want to see a two-page treatment that covers your entire, whether it's a graphic novel or series, um, so I know every detail. It doesn't have to be, you know, pinpoint every plot point, but I want to know what's going to happen. But yeah, I, I think Matt is really solid advice in that, you know, have your one word that gives you the, the tone, the sense of it, um, have a log line that sums up everything, and then to go a little bit longer, maybe a two-page treatment. And if you don't have an artist on board already, um, not ideal, but at least if you can give some tone of what the art style that you're looking for that would complement your story, if you can provide that as well, that's always very helpful. Yeah, I think um, you know having an artist, uh, whether on board or in mind, whether you have that relationship or not. But you know, kind of going back to what Matt said, I think you know peer uh, support is really important. Just like if if you're able to reach out to that artist and build your own relationship, and then go to the publisher with uh, with that package together, it just it creates more stability in the uh, in the printing process. But yeah, I think one one or two pages written tops with an art sample is, is ideal. You know, a three-page packet is, is really what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, definitely less is more. Uh, what you want is you want us to come back to you and say, uh, hey, I thought this was interesting, can you tell me more? That's what you want. You don't want the reverse of what I said before is I'm looking for a reason to stop reading. Okay, if you, if you send me a page or two and I find it very interesting, and I like Hollywood mashups, that's the it's Twin Peaks meets Northern Exposure, or it's Star Wars meets Conan, whatever the fuck you want to call it. But I mean, that is an easy thing for me in my head because I'm very quickly, I'm like, okay, Northern Exposure meets Twin Peaks, small town, weird. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's what, that was my log line for I, I will say that I, I sometimes enjoy the mashup that seems impossible and makes you wonder what the hell that could possibly be. The thing that I'm working on the deal with for Dynamite, literally the premise is, it's the Princess Bride meets Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> and it's the, the book is called Two-Fisted Fairy Tale, so that may help a little bit with understanding the tone and the... And I think, you know, you're a smart editor, I think you have an idea what Two-Fisted Fairy Tale that's yeah. Princess Bride meets Saving Private Ryan is gonna be. <coughs> you know, I could say Shrek it meets Band of Brothers and you get to the same basic place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, and the thing about having the... It's great to have the two pages, but if you don't have the log line, no one's gonna ask you for the two pages. If you don't have the one thing that you can literally say in an email on the floor of a con to an editor who asks you, hey, what are you working on? They never do that. Um, you know, uh, if you're not ready to answer that question, if it launches you into a three minute long conversation, it's like, nope, 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 we're already stopped listening. Yeah, well, I mean, when you pitch to Dark Horse, I mean, they have a very, uh, prescribed format. It's yeah. like do it in a line, do it in a paragraph, do it in a page. Yeah. You know, and if they like if they like the line, they'll read the paragraph. If they like the paragraph, they'll read the page. And like you said, if they like the page, they'll ask you for more. Yeah. Seven, seven to six page outline with all the twists and turns. 
Um, yeah. and, and, and that's how you have to do it, you know, an inch, a foot, you know, and then a mile. Right? And, and, and it's also for your benefit, right? Like the, 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 oh, the feedback that you get from being asked for more gives you a sense of, is this worth your time also, right? You don't want to send so much that you're, you know, waiting for an answer and it contemplated. If you send something small and you're asked to write something more, you, there's a clear indication there that there's an opportunity. So the, 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 the turtling it and going very slowly will, will also give you the reinforcement that you need to know if this is worth your time. And also one thing is know who you're know who you're pitching because these guys all said uh, have an artist attached to the positive that's a negative for me okay unless it's a really good artist that I already know and I know sells books if you have an artist attached that's a negative so you have to know your publisher and know who to pitch and if you pitched me you know some all ages kids book uh, you're pitching the wrong publisher <laughs> you know what I mean I mean look at the publisher and see what they publish and, and and don't pitch them something that's not in that unless they say hey unless you hear they're going to launch a new line of books right you know if you had told me ten years ago I. I my best-selling comic I read would be a romance book. I would have laughed at you, but now romance is a huge category for us, and it's 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 bizarre. But uh, you know, I'm selling ten copies of my romance books to one of my sci-fi. So and uh, you know, it's, it's women read a lot more than men. So you move with the audience. You know, I mean, you got to figure out what sells. Yep. Yeah. Well, we should probably we're getting towards the end. We should wrap up. We always like to ask people where they can find you on the interwebs or on the floor here as well. Barbara. Sure, you can find us at fanbasepress.com or on all of the social medias, and uh, I'll be walking around the con today, so if you see me, feel free to stop by. I have business cards as well. Happy to answer any questions uh, after the panel and by email as well. Uh, you can find me at Matthew Megney on all socials and Heavy Metal at Heavy Metal, uh, and we have a little activation at the Whatnot booth in the West uh, Room here. I'm uh, down. I'm downstairs on F33 in Art Stalling, um, and you can find me on TomCower.com or any, any social media. Uh, I am at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. That's R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents sort of drunkenly arranged letters and sailed me with it, so now I have to spell it for you. Um, uh, my books, uh, Aberrant, Banjacks, Suicide Jockeys, Fashing Origins, uh, you know, they can all be found at your local comic shop. Uh, Fashing Origins uh, via Dynamite uh, very soon. Um, so check those out. A couple of movies coming out next year. Uh, so watch my social media for that stuff. Um, Are we doing any questions? Uh, yeah, we ran out of time. Yeah, 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 we ran out of time. But do you have questions for our, uh, our, our Yeah, colleague? we'll all be out yeah, front. Yeah, yeah, we'll be out front. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm David Avaloni. It's a very easily Googleable name. Uh, thank God. It's, there's one benefit of having that name. Um, my next comic hitting the stands is uh, the stands. I'm very old. Uh, is uh, Elvira in Horrorland number five, which wraps up that series. I have a couple of stories in Savage Tales number two coming out, and next year keep an eye open for uh, Two Fisted Fairy Tales. And the next Elvira series will be Elvira in Monsterland. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we'll talk soon. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on the Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.